Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, it's Chelsea, and I'm here again with Heather today, and we are continuing in the book of Esther. Um, and we finish up the story. Yeah. And it's just good to kind of read it all the way through. I mean, you hear the story of Esther, but to actually read the word of God and like all the things that are in here, I noticed a lot of other things that I never knew before. Um, so what stuck out to you in today's reading, Heather? Well, as I, you know, was reading through this, I was like, we stop so often right after (laughs) at the part of, and the people were saved. The Jews were saved. Yeah. You know? <laughs> the end. The end. <laughs> and there was justice. And then I was like, oh, okay, but there's a lot more to the story that right. <laughs> can make some people uncomfortable. And that's probably why we don't talk about it. Um, and I, I grew up Mennonite. Um, mm-hmm. And so there is very much so that pacifism drilled into us. Mm-hmm. And so reading this, like, even though I'm no longer Mennonite, like, it, it bothered me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Okay, cool. So they got justice, but why did they have to kill that many people? Right. <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's, whenever we read about widespread destruction in the Bible, it's always hard to read. Cause you're like, how, like, how could God treat people like that? Um, but like what we were talking about before we started recording is like, either way there would have been widespread death. So mm-hmm. like if, if God had not saved his people, his people would have died. And it very clearly says that the Jews killed the people who hated them. Mm-hmm. So it's just another way of God, God's provision and God's protection over his people because those people that hated the Jews and they are, they were a hated people. Um, it could have been, there could have been another decree sent out to like kill the Jews or something else could have happened, but to like um, wipe out these people um, that really hated God's people um, was just another way of God protecting them. And it emphasized so many times, but they did not take any plunder, but they right. did not take any plunder. Right. Um, and so I don't know if that's a way of, you know, them saying, hey, we're going to we're gonna kill these men who hate us in a way to protect us, but we're not going to... Um, they didn't take advantage of the situation. Yeah, they're they not going to take were extra victories. You know, they're not going to just yeah. take resources to take resources, which is what most people did during that time. Right, right. Um, I I think what stuck out to me in reading this is, again, how much this king is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, is, he just does not make a decision on his own. Um, even when he has an opportunity, he does help Esther and Mordecai by saying, hey, you write the law that you need to write. But... He does not seem to be able to make a decision without asking other people or having other people do it for him. Chelsea has been a very, <laughs> very <frustrated> insecure <laughs> during this whole passage. <laughs> he like, yeah, I mean, again, he lets them write their own law, which Mordecai, it sounds like Mordecai is a very wise person. I think Mordecai probably did exactly what he had to do. Um, yeah. To like, yeah. And, and he would have known the history very well because he was very knowledgeable in writing, which means he was knowledgeable in reading. And yeah. so he probably knew the Jewish history and whenever you know history, you can find a way to make sure it's right. Hopefully not repeat it. <laughs> right. Yeah. It is interesting to me, um, like kind of going back in our readings before Esther. 
So these the people returned. They could have returned to Jerusalem at this point if they wanted to from exile. So Mordecai and his family chose not to. Um, which I don't know. I don't know if that means anything, but it is. It is interesting that like Mordecai and his family were in the Persian Empire at this time and able to save the Jews in this way. Um, and they because they chose to not return to Jerusalem when it came to like returning home from exile. Um, so I think again. If we're looking for ways that God has appeared over and over again in this story, it's through so much provision, Mm -hmm. so much protection. Um, And even just the wisdom. I mean, they must have prayed so much when the king was saying, hey, like, you can't um, revoke, like, what was previously done with this ring that Haman did. Um, but you can kind of write something to counteract it. Right. And I imagine it wasn't just, oh, we're doing this, but it was like thought yeah. and prayed and just like, how can we best use this yeah. to protect our people? Yeah. And and what they came up with was pretty decent. Yeah. I And so the other thing that comes out of this is a new festival, which is still celebrated to this day that we Googled. <laughs> we <laughs> it was did, like, we oh, did Google true. it. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so this festival is still celebrated to this day, and it's a holiday um, celebrated by Jews. Um, And I was just kind of remarking on how Esther is a very Jewish book. Mm -hmm. Um, It it would have meant a lot to Jews, and probably means a lot to Jews even now as they read it, um, to see God's provision and God's protection. And I think about like the part of the story where Haman leads a Jew through the streets and exalts this Jew. I know it's why like, it's just like, there's like, I think there's some things in the book of Esther that we're actually supposed to like laugh at and well, and God has a sense of humor yeah, and it's yeah. so evident in that part. That, right. Yeah. So like, yeah, like the King's opulent wealth, but he can't control his wife. And like yeah. the, the man who hates the Jews, but ends up having to like exalt a Jew and yeah. like all these things that are meant to be like little, like, Haha, like God, God loves us. Gotcha. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know. I really, I really enjoyed reading it. I'm sad that it's over now. I know. It's so short, (laughs) but so good. Yeah. Guys, thanks so much for listening to God's Whole Story today, and we'll be back tomorrow. Bye. Esther 5. On the third day of the fast, Esther put on her royal robes and entered the inner court of the palace, just across from the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne, facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her and held out the gold scepter to her. So Esther approached and touched the end of the scepter. Then the king asked her, "'What do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom.' And Esther replied, If it please the king, let the king and Haman come today to a banquet that I have prepared for the king. The king turned to his attendants and said, Tell Haman to come quickly to a banquet, as Esther has requested. So the king and Haman went to Esther's banquet. And while they were drinking wine, the king said to Esther, Now tell me what you really want. What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. Esther replied, This is my request and deepest wish. If I have found favor with the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my request and do what I ask, please come with Haman tomorrow to the banquet I will prepare for you. Then I will explain what this is all about. Haman was a happy man as he left the banquet, but when he saw Mordecai sitting at the palace gate, not standing up or trembling nervously before him, Haman became furious. However, he restrained himself and went home. Then Haman gathered together his friends and Zeresh, his wife, and boasted to them about his great wealth and his many children. He bragged about the honors the king had given him and how he had been promoted over all the other nobles and officials. Then Haman added, and that is not all. Queen Esther invited only me and the king himself to the banquet she prepared for us, and she invited me to dine with her and the king again tomorrow. 
And then he added, but this is all worth nothing as long as I see Mordecai the Jew just sitting there at the palace gate. So Haman's wife, Zeresh, and all his friends suggested, set up a sharpened pole that stands 75 feet tall, and in the morning ask the king to impale Mordecai on it. When this is done, you can go on your merry way to the banquet with the king. This pleased Haman, and he ordered the pole set up. That night, the king had trouble sleeping, so he ordered an attendant to bring the book of history of his reign so it could be read to him. In those records, he discovered an account of how Mordecai had exposed the plot of Bigthana and Teresh, two of the eunuchs who guarded the door to the king's private quarters. They had plotted to assassinate King Xerxes. What, What reward or recognition did we ever give Mordecai for this? The king asked. His attendants replied, nothing has been done for him. Who is that in the outer court? The king inquired. As it happened, Haman had just arrived in the outer court of the palace to ask the king to impale Mordecai on the pole he had prepared. So the attendants replied to the king, Haman is out in the court. Bring him in, the king ordered. So Haman came in and the king said, what should I do to honor a man who truly pleases me? Haman thought to himself, whom would the king wish to honor more than me? So he replied, if the king wishes to honor someone, he should bring out one of the king's own royal robes, as well as a horse that the king himself has ridden, one with a royal emblem on its head. Let the robes and the horse be handed over to one of the king's most noble officials, and let him see that the man whom the king wishes to honor is dressed in the king's robes and led through the city square on the king's horse. Have the officials shout as they go, this is what the king does for someone he wishes to honor." Excellent, the king replied to Haman. Quick, take the robes and my horse and do just as you have said to Mordecai the Jew, who sits at the gate of the palace. Leave out nothing you have suggested. So Haman took the robes and put them on Mordecai, placed him on the king's own horse, and led him through the city square, shouting, This is what the king does for someone he wishes to honor. Afterward, Mordecai returned to the palace gate, but Haman hurried home, dejected and completely humiliated. When Haman told his wife Zeresh and all his friends what had happened, his wise advisors and his wife said, Since Mordecai, this man who has humiliated you, is of Jewish birth, you will never succeed in your plans against him. It will be fatal to continue opposing him. While they were still talking, the king's eunuchs arrived and quickly took Haman to the banquet Esther had prepared. So the king and Haman went to Queen Esther's banquet. On this second occasion, while they were drinking wine, the king again said to Esther, Tell me what you want, Queen Esther. What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. Queen Esther replied, If I have found favor with the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my request, I ask that my life and the lives of my people will be spared. For my people and I have been sold to those who would kill, slaughter, and annihilate us. If we had merely been sold as slaves, I could remain quiet, for that would be too trivial a matter to warrant disturbing the king. Who would do such a thing? King Xerxes demanded. Who would be so presumptuous as to touch you? Esther replied, This wicked Haman is our adversary and our enemy. Haman grew pale with fright before the king and queen. Then the king jumped to his feet in rage and went out to the palace garden. Haman, however, stayed behind to plead for his his life with Queen Esther, for he knew that the king intended to kill him. In despair, he fell on the couch where Queen Esther was reclining, just as the king was returning from the palace garden. The king exclaimed, Will he even assault the queen right here in the palace before my very eyes? And as soon as the king spoke, his attendants covered Haman's face, signaling his doom. Then Harbona, one of the king's eunuchs, said, Haman has set up a sharpened pole that stands 75 feet tall in his own courtyard. He intended to use it to impale Mordecai, the man who saved the king from assassination. Then impale Haman on it, the king ordered. So they impaled Haman on the pole he had set up for Mordecai, and the king's anger subsided. On that same day, King Xerxes gave the property of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, to Queen Esther. Then Mordecai was brought before the king, for Esther had told the king how they were related. 
The king took off the signet ring, which he had taken back from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed Mordecai to be in charge of Haman's property. Then Esther went again before the king, falling down at his feet and begging him with tears to stop the evil plot devised by Haman the Agagite against the Jews. Again, the king had out the gold scepter to Esther, so she rose and stood before him. Esther said, If it please the king, and I have found favor with him, and if he thinks it is right, and if I am pleasing to him, let there be a decree that reverses the orders of Haman son of Hamadatha the Agagite, who ordered that the Jews throughout all the king's provinces should be destroyed. For how can I endure to see my people and my family slaughtered and destroyed? Then King Xerxes said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, I have given Esther the property of Haman, and he has been impaled on a pole because he tried to destroy the Jews. Now go ahead and send a message to the Jews in the king's name, telling them whatever they want, and seal it with the king's signet ring. But remember that whatever has been already written in the king's name and sealed with a signet ring cannot be revoked. So on June 25th, the king's secretaries were summoned and a decree was written exactly as Mordecai dictated. It was sent to the Jews and to the highest officials, the governors and the nobles of all the 127 provinces stretching from India to Ethiopia. The decree was written in the scripts and languages of all the peoples of the empire, including that of the Jews. The decree was written in all the, in the name of King Xerxes and sealed with the king's signet ring. Mordecai sent the dispatches by swift messengers who rode fast horses, especially bred for the king's service. The king's decree gave the Jews in every city authority to unite and defend their lives. They were allowed to kill, slaughter, and annihilate anyone of any nationality or province who might attack them or their children and wives, and to take the property of their enemies. The day chosen for this event throughout all the provinces of King Xerxes was March 7th of the next year. A copy of this decree was to be issued as a law in every province and proclaimed to all peoples so that the Jews would be ready to take revenge on their enemies on the appointed day. So urged on by the king's command, the messengers rode out swiftly on the fast horses bred for the king's service. The same decree was also proclaimed in the fortress of Susa. Then Mordecai left the king's presence wearing the royal robe of blue and white and the great crown of gold and an outer cloak of fine linen and purple. And the people of Susa celebrated the new decree. The Jews were filled with joy and gladness and were honored everywhere. In every province and city, wherever the king's decree arrived, the Jews rejoiced and had a great celebration and declared a public festival and holiday. And many of the people of the land became Jews themselves, for they feared what the Jews might do to them. So on March 7th, the two decrees of the king were put into effect. On that day, the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, but quite the opposite happened. It was the Jews who overpowered their enemies. The Jews gathered in their cities throughout all the king's provinces to attack anyone who tried to harm them. But no one could make a stand against them, for everyone was afraid of them. And all the nobles of the provinces, the highest officers, the governors, and the royal officials helped the Jews for fear of Mordecai, for Mordecai had been promoted in the king's palace, and his fame spread throughout all the provinces as he became more and more powerful. So the Jews went ahead on the appointed day and struck down their enemies with the sword. They killed and annihilated their enemies and did as they were pleased with those who hated them. In the fortress of Susa itself, the Jews killed 500 men. They also killed Parsha Nadatha, Dolphin, Esphatha, Poratha, Adalia, Eridatha, Parmashada, Arasai, Eridai, and Beza, the ten sons of Haman, son of Hamanatha, the enemy of the Jews. But they did not take any plunder. That very day when the king was informed of the number of people killed in the fortress of Susa, he called for Queen Esther. He said the Jews have killed 500 men in the fortress of Susa alone, as well as Haman's 10 sons. If they have done that here, what has happened in the rest of the provinces? But now, what more do you want? It will be granted to you. Tell me and I will do it. 
Esther responded, If it please the king, give the Jews in Susa permission to do it again tomorrow, as they have done today, and let the bodies of Haman's ten sons be impaled on a pole. So the king agreed, and the decree was announced in Susa, and they impaled the bodies of Haman's ten sons. Then the Jews at Susa gathered together on March 8th and killed 300 more men, and again they took no plunder. Meanwhile, the other Jews throughout the king's provinces had gathered together to defend their lives. They gained relief from all their enemies, killing 75,000 of those who hated them, but they did not take any plunder. This was done throughout the provinces on March 7th, and on March 8th, they rested, celebrating their victory with a day of feasting and gladness. The Jews at Susa killed their enemies on March 7th and again on March 8th, then rested on March 9th, making that day their day of fasting, feasting, and gladness. So to this day, rural, rural Jews living in remote villages celebrate an annual festival and holiday on the appointed day in late winter when they rejoice and send gifts of food to each other. Mordecai recorded these events and sent the letters to the Jews near and far throughout all the provinces of King Xerxes, calling on them to celebrate an annual festival on these two days. He told them to celebrate these days with feasting and gladness and by giving gifts of food to each other and presents to the poor. This would commemorate a time when the Jews gained relief from their enemies, when their sorrow was turned into gladness and their mourning into joy. So the Jews accepted Mordecai's proposal and adopted this annual custom. Haman, son of Hamadatha the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews, had plotted to crush and destroy them on the date determined by casting lots. The lots were called Purim. But when Esther came before the king, he issued a decree causing Haman's evil plot to backfire, and Haman and his sons were impaled on a sharpened pole. That is why the celebration is called Purim, because it is the ancient word for casting lots. So because Mordecai's letter and because of what they had experienced, the Jews throughout the realm agreed to inaugurate this tradition and to pass it on to their descendants and to all who become Jews. They declared they would never fail to celebrate these two prescribed days on the appointed time each year. These days would be remembered and kept from generation to generation and celebrated by every family throughout the provinces and cities of the empire. This festival of Purim would never cease to be celebrated among the Jews, nor would the memory of what happened ever die out among their descendants. Then Queen Esther, the daughter of Abihail, along with Mordecai the Jew, wrote another letter putting the queen's full authority behind Mordecai's letter to establish the festival of Purim. Letters wishing peace and security were sent to the Jews throughout the 127 provinces of the Empire of Xerxes. These letters established the Festival of Purim, an annual celebration of these days at the appointed time, decreed by both Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther. The people decide to observe this festival just as they decide for themselves and their descendants to establish the times of fasting and mourning. So the command of Esther confirmed the practices of Purim, and it was all written down in the records. King Xerxes imposed a tribute throughout his empire, even to the distant coastlands. His great achievements and the full account of the greatness of Mordecai, whom the king had promoted, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Media and Persia. Mordecai the Jew became the prime minister with authority next to that of King Xerxes himself. He was very great among the Jews who held him in high esteem because he continued to work for the good of his people and to speak up for the welfare of all their descendants. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the Old 
longer than it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM or you could actually email us at podcast at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.